You are now listening to the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Here is your host, Blaine Spencer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You know who I am. I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. With me today is a long-lost friend, my man, Patrick Sweeney, from the fo- as the football therapist, man, as a fantasy football guru. Patrick, how are you? Thanks for coming. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking me. This is the third or fourth time on the show, so always excited to come on. Love the content. Keep grinding. Absolutely, man. But, you know, let's jump right in because there's been a little bit of football mayhem that has kind of taken place this week, and it has happened in Indianapolis. Sorry, sorry, Anthony Pacifico. Mm -hmm. I know you're now living an hour south, but you need to get yourself up to Indianapolis to go coach. You could probably go coach the Indianapolis Colts, obviously, because they've basically hired somebody off the street. It's Jeff Saturday, ESPN analyst, former Indianapolis Colt, to replace Frank Reich, who was fired. Um, They also had fired their offensive coordinator the week before that. It is just an absolute crap show, to say the least, in Indianapolis. Pat, give me your overall take of what you've seen in Indy and how their rest of the season is going to fare. Because I had them as my pick for the AFC South. Yeah, I had them as my pick for the AFC South, too. Another year where they had a ton of expectations. The Frank Reich firing, I think, had to happen. Of course, when you have this much talent and you keep delivering performances like they've been doing and trying to cover it up with aging quarterbacks, it's just not the recipe for success but I was even more shocked at this hire I mean Jeff Saturday great player but he's only coached high school football and he hasn't coached since 2020 I don't know what they're doing I don't know what their organization is thinking about here because this is a recipe for disaster in my opinion oh no I couldn't agree more this hiring of Jeff Saturday tells me that there is so much more that wrong in that organization that we haven't heard of or seen yet Mm -hmm. you're bringing in a total outsider when you have two you have two coaches on your staff in uh is it uh, john fox and uh gus bradley i believe are the two that are on their staff now and you're and you those have to have head coaching experience and you don't even look their way you bring in jeff saturday who has been a consultant to the team but this just showcases that, I mean, don't get me wrong. The team looks like they quit the, these last couple of weeks on Frank Reich. So mm-hmm. the, the firing had to happen, but it showcases that there's a lot more turmoil that is going unseen in Indianapolis. Yeah, of course. That's not only that, that's the timing of it too. Like I don't mind potentially thinking outside of the box during the off season, but when you're in mid season, you're technically still in the playoff race. And you're bringing in a guy when you have a game a couple weeks, uh, a couple days coming up this week. It's a recipe for disaster. What are they going to do playbook-wise? What are they going to do in terms of their personnel? What are they going to do in terms of him coming in, getting these guys connected and, and firing up this team? I'm sure just as much as the he doesn't know the team, the team doesn't really know much about him besides he was the center. It's just a bad decision all around. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how this goes. Cause I think 
Um, Parks Frazier, who's one of the assistants on the staff, he's going to be the OC this weekend. No experience, again, whatsoever, calling plays. I believe he's like the passing game coordinator. But this only – this is like brewing for it to just fall apart in Indy. Their season has basically just gone from potential Super Bowl aspirations to like we're honestly going to be a top five team in the draft. Like that's how it feels with this Jeff Saturday move, just to even just steady the ship, even though the ship is pretty much sunk. Not only that, his time as a high school coach, he wasn't a winning coach. I mean, he was 20 and 16, oh, Lord. He made the playoffs three times, but he didn't do anything and he got fired. So it just doesn't make sense what they're doing there in Indianapolis. And I'll say it again. They're a poverty organization now that whatever happened after Andrew Luck, they can't fix. They're just going to keep going downhill. I'm just looking at their schedule right now. They have the Raiders this week, and I think the Raiders actually are going to beat them. And that's being said with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller now being on the IR. Like, the Raiders are going to beat them. I'm just trying to run, pull up their schedule right here as we're chatting, but it couldn't go. I don't think it could go much worse for Indianapolis and these Colts because they're three, five and one. Now you bench Matt Ryan. You This is just goes to show how bad this is. I think since Andrew Luck retired, they've had seven different quarterbacks, something like absurd like that. And the schedule doesn't get any easier, right? Okay, it goes Raiders, Eagles, Steelers, Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, and then you close out with the Texans. They yeah. could lose. They could probably only win, arguably, two of those games. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of their schedule coming up is going to show that this team is going to quit. And I think as an organization as a whole, I mean, you look back – Obviously, there were the Peyton Manning years, Andrew Luck years. What's their identity moving forward? What are they going to do as an organization? I think they really have to clean out house, which is sad, because I think they have one of the more talented rosters on paper than a lot of these other teams in the NFL. They're just wasting their talent away. Oh, completely agree. You have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, then you have also, Michael Pittman, who's not a scrub. He's not a number one receiver, but he's no scrub. Then you have Shaq Leonard. You have Stephon Gilmore. Like, your defense is outstanding, and they're showing having their own struggles. It's just from top to bottom, the Colts are a travesty, which is uh, which is completely agree. That is wild because – I had JT and the Don. They're a great show. So if you haven't tuned into their show, go ahead, please do that. Um, we had a bet when they came on my show was what was more likely the Jacksonville Jaguars winning the division or the Colts going to the Super Bowl. I picked Jacksonville to go to win the division, but all three, like it wasn't by like much. Like that just goes to show how how high my aspirations for the Colts were. I thought they'd be easily a team that could be potentially easily in the divisional round, potentially mm -hmm. one of those teams that could make be a surprise in the conference championship of the AFC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I was right along that boat. I thought they'd be a divisional round team, but now, I mean, like you said, you start looking towards the draft. I think this is the draft where you're really going to see what they do as an organization. 
Got to go quarterback. quarterback Got to go quarterback. It, it's going to be tough because there's only two or three guys right now that I really like, but who I don't do you know like? if who they do you can like? be that bad. I think Bryce Young is my number one guy. Okay. I think C.J. Stroud right behind him. And then Will Levis, I think, is in that conversation just because of his size and the prototypical offense that they run at uh, Kentucky. I think he could potentially be a first-rounder. There's a couple guys that are a little bit iffy, but if they want to get that sure thing guy, I think they're going to have to trade up because Houston, they're probably not going to win another game. They're terrible. Carolina is going to be bad. They're on right now. I don't know what they were doing. They're up but... 10 nothing on Atlanta right now, as I just last checked. Oh, wow. 10 nothing. Jeez. Good thing I benched Mariota on my games. Good thing I benched Mariota on my fantasy team. These can I just all right. We're gonna get a bit off topic before we get back on topic. How bad are these Thursday night football games? They have been absolutely atrocious this year. Mm-hmm. It, it hasn't been fun to watch. There's been numerous games where there were no touchdowns. Um, I think the announcers, Al Michaels and Kerb Street, they really haven't done much to add to the game. They've actually been turning on some of the games, saying how terrible they are. That's when you know, as a as someone watching it, when the announcers turn on the game, it's just not fun. So I don't know what they're going to do. But, yeah, it's been a brutal stretch of games especially on these Thursday night football games. I just feel bad for Amazon. Like how dumb do you actually look spending all that money to buy Thursday night and get these two thoroughbreds as announcers to be calling mm-hmm. your games. And you guys are just bringing out duds based off of the NFL schedule. But mm-hmm. that I think that was surprising. All right, Pat, you're the fantasy guru here. Give me your mid-year fantasy rundown give me like three or four headlines that like for you as a fantasy guru like you are you would be telling the people at home if you need to like make a change what has been the biggest thing fantasy wise for you so the first thing that looking at a lot of the data looking at a lot of the top guys is moving forward and again not only for this year but i want to stress for years to come I think drafting wide receivers early is going to be the move. If you look at the top eight guys for the wide receiver position right now, seven out of those eight were drafted in the first two rounds compared to the running back position where you have guys like Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook at times. Some of these guys in the early rounds, Aaron Jones on and off, Leonard Fournette, There's a handful of guys that have been missed on. I think it's a lot safer to potentially go wide receiver early, try to get a lot of those elite guys, and then try to get those running backs a little bit later. Uh, Surprise number two, a guy out of Houston, a bad team that I'm actually really surprised about was Damian Pierce. Not because I didn't think there was an opportunity for him to do well in the league, I just didn't think he would do as well as he's been doing so quick on such a poor team. I mean, he is sixth in rushing. He's a top probably 12 to 15 option every week. And you were getting him in the seventh to eighth round. So being able to go early wide receiver, hit those running backs a little bit later, could be a recipe to win your fantasy football leagues. No, I those are two major surprises. Damian Pierce has been – 
honestly, since the preseason has been a guy that has just been, whoa, raising eyebrows without question. And I think you're right. This has now become everything in fantasy football has now become wide receivers should be that top pick, even though it says statistically that everyone goes running backs usually in those first four to five picks based off of their production. And then also, especially in PPRs, you're getting the rushing yards and then you're also getting receiving yards with the receptions. Right. But with Justin Jefferson out there with like the likes of Cooper cup, I think it's just become their production just becomes so astronomical that you can't look the other way on not going wide receiver at the top. And I think it comes down to with the running back position, you really have to hit on those guys, right? You have to be sure that the running back that you're picking is lock and loaded top five to 10 option, or you're really losing value outside of maybe CD lamb. I'd say on and off, none of the wide receivers early have missed all the top guys are still there. So, you know, it's a sure and lock and loaded thing. Of course, you want to try to hit a wide uh, running back in the first couple of rounds. But if you're going multiple running backs, you're going to miss out on opportunity of quality points weekly. I mean, even a guy like DeAndre Swift, that was a guy I was super high on. He was one of my guys. Obviously, there's the injury concerns. But if you drafted him, you're missing points right there. That was something that we missed out on. So being able to hit a running back early is very key but also being able that you have it safe in the first couple of rounds drafting these wide receivers so that you have those quality points weekly. Oh, without question. And for me, the two headlines that I've gotten in the fantasy world is that first one is if you have Christian McCaffrey, you are going to see production on fire in the second half of the season. You, he makes he goes over to San Francisco from Carolina he does the triple crown basically in football that hadn't been done in over 10, 15 years mm-hmm. with the passing, catching, and rushing touchdown. But San Francisco is going all in on this kid because you trade away Jeff Wilson to Miami. So basically mm-hmm. there was no going to be no split carries, which is what I thought was going to happen in San Francisco. I was like, McCaffrey's going to be – a subpar running back at best because of how San Francisco divvies up their backs. That's not going to be the case. You make those that trade. Now McCaffrey's going to be the focal point of the offense along Debo Samuel. <laughs> McCaffrey's going to have a huge second half, I believe. And then my second takeaway, the quarterback has now become a useless market of how big of a point differential there is at the top to probably middle tier right like you could say that like it's only a two or three points based off of production wise even maybe you can maybe argue four or five but it's not drastic enough for you to be taking a quarterback extremely early on because you can get a solid quarterback in the middle of the drafts yeah i completely agree with that i think in terms of quarterback drafting, if you were drafting a guy like Jalen Hurts in the mid-rounds, if you were drafting a guy like Tua a little bit later on, you're feeling very good right now because you're getting that high-quality play. Of course, with the quarterback position, 
it's always important to wait a little bit because you don't want to waste picks on a quarterback when you need those running back and wide receivers. But as you just identified, the spread between players, it isn't really that big of a gap. It's really becoming smaller and smaller as we get more elite young quarterbacks into the league. And I think to piggyback off that point, one of the things that I found interesting when looking at the leaders is you want to start thinking about youth. You want to start avoiding those older guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson even. Some of these older vets have pretty much crapped the bed. So being able to try to go youth at the position may be the move if you can hit on some of these guys. Even a guy like Justin Fields, obviously he's young. He has that rushing upside, the mobility. Mobility is key in the position. It's almost a necessity now in order to have good fantasy football play. Oh, no, I feel like the quarterback position has now become you're looking for a quarterback that is dual threat. If you truly want to have a substantial focal point fantasy wise, right, with Fields, with Allen, with Hertz, mm-hmm. Lamar, you're just look. even Herbert has some mobility. Mahomes has some mobility. Wilson mm-hmm. has been a total abomination this year. But mobility, you're looking for guys that who can use their legs. Like Geno Smith. Yeah, that was one of the guys been, I wanted to bring up. Has been an absolute phenomenon this year. Like, and I know that honestly transitions us to probably our final topic that we were going to talk about was like who have been your biggest surprises and disappointments from teams or players. Like, I think we can both say that biggest surprise as a player and even as a team is Geno Smith and how the Seattle Seahawks have played this year. Yeah, that was my number one player, especially from the fantasy side. In seven out of nine games, he's had 18 or more fantasy points. He's looking efficient. He's throwing the ball downfield and he's making his weapons even good around him. I mean, look at a guy like Tyler Lockett. He's top 10 in fantasy football right now over the course of the season. He's a guy that me, myself, I avoided because going into the year, we don't know what this team is going to look like. And I think it comes down to they're putting Geno Smith in a position to win. They have a great running back. They improved the offensive line. The weapons are still there from the previous years. And he's really coming in and commanding the offense. I think some somewhere along the line, especially with the Jets, he was not giving that opportunity to be able to play. The Giants, they put him in one or two games. He hasn't really had that full opportunity to show off his skill set. And I think what the Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have done is built around a system around his skill set. And I think that's why we're seeing him thrive this season. The only so, I think you remember this. I don't know if you ended up going to this game, but the only true memory I remember of Geno Smith was his college days when he was lighting up at West Virginia. And then when us and a bunch of the buddies guys all went to that Monday night game with yeah. the jet jets bears. I think you remember that. I remember we got, that. We, we were up in the nosebleeds. It was like $20 <laughs> tickets and he throws the pick six on a screen pass on the opening play of the game. Yeah. It was just, it was like, like how is he a quarterback in the NFL? And now, like he is going to, I think he's the clear pick as the comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy to think about how 
he has finally showcased his ability of what we saw at West Virginia, and it's now translated mm-hmm. to the NFL for him after like his yeah. now like his eighth season, eighth ninth season. I think it's longer than that, but like in his mid thirties now as a quarterback. Yeah, not only that, I mean. Speaking about the team, obviously, I think Carroll is the front runner potentially with Brian Dabble right behind him, maybe for coach of the year. Look what this organization did. They traded away Russell Wilson and they turned it into a landmine of great picks. Charles Cross, uh, Tariq Woolen, uh, the young quarterback who could be the defensive rookie of the year, if not for Sauce Gardner out of the New York Jets. They got Noah Fant in that deal. They really turned a quarterback who, yes, we didn't think was going to be washed up, but into a potential future for this organization. All right. I agree with that. And he actually, Sauce Gardner is my biggest surprise. Um, Next, I would put Sauce Gardner and how he is basically brought Revis Island back with a little bit of sauce. You know what I mean? Um, a little bit of an p- awful pun there, but, you know, just like what he has at, done, been able to do and take away one side of the field he's made. I mean, Zach Wilson still doesn't know how to play quarterback for them, but their defense keeps them in games, and they are so legit that on the defensive side of the ball, that Sauce Gardner would be my biggest surprise uh, as a player would be my next one. Who do you got next? Oh. Before we do that, I want to read you something. Okay. I'm going to go off script here a little because I keep the receipts. If you want to put this in the show, I'll send it to you. This is a, a text I sent in the summer to my group chat of friends at home. This is straight from a Patriots fan. I said, listen, obviously I can sit here as a Pats fan and shit on this Jets, but they are built well, this team, in my opinion. They have an O-line that can keep improving. Got an elite running back, Brees Hall, rest in peace. Young wide receivers that can break out. Hopefully Sauce can be productive early as a corner in a tough transitional position. They have some good depth on their D-line. Yes, Zach Wilson needs to improve, but I think that this could be a playoff contending team. Wow, look at you. That's why you're the. That's why you're the. You're a guru, man. You know everything that's gonna happen. You saw the Jets flourishing before probably anybody else did. Yeah, I, I don't think they could make the playoffs, but I thought they could be a playoff contender because they built this organization the right way. They gave Wilson weapons, whether he's a good quarterback or not. He has people to work with. They built up the offensive line. The defense, like you said, is extraordinary. So. I really like what this team has done. Of course, it pains me to say that, but I think overall they're going to be doing well for the rest of the season and potentially years to come. Um, Another guy in the division who I'm actually very surprised with, and again, I thought that he could make that leap. I didn't know how big of a leap he could make, but I knew that they put the weapons around him. What about Tua? I mean, he's looking phenomenal. I did not yes. think he looked this good. He's first in yards per attempt, so it's not just him throwing it short to these wide receivers. He's actually pushing the ball downfield. In terms of accuracy, this is based off player profile. I use a lot of their stats. First in deep ball accuracy. So while, yes, maybe he's still under-throwing Tyreek Hill at times, based on what they say, he's been the most accurate downfield quarterback. Second in deep ball completion percentage. 
So all these stats are painting a picture that he's actually pushing the field downfield. And while, yes, obviously having Tyreek Hill, uh, Hill helps a lot, he could potentially become that elite passer that a lot of people thought he could be coming into the league right between our eyes. The one thing that we finally started to see in Tua is that he's finally using his eyes like how he did in college. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to see, you're starting to see the players that he had around him almost be verbatim to what he had at Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. And Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you can make the argument that they're the best one-two punch in at receiver in the NFL. I think they're easily top three, but mm-hmm. like you can make the argument like these those two are absolute studs. And what Coach Mike McDaniel's doing in his first year is fascinating. Able to put in a brand new offensive scheme for this team, and they're clicking on all cylinders. And when Tua plays, they win games. If Tua finishes a game, they are winning football if games. So that's a huge proponent there that he's now rising his stock from what people were comparing him to Justin Herbert. Herbert was the better pick. He's been showing you up, and now – Tua, you can make the argument, is flipping that script right on Justin Herbert's head with how the Chargers mm-hmm. and Dolphins are both playing. Mm-hmm. But I I agree with that. That is a great one with how Tua has been so far. All right, my last, last one's going to be a team this time, and it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Why? As much as it pains me to say this, is that um, because I despise Kirk Cousins with a passion as a Washington fan. Mm -hmm. Um, But no surprise, as soon as you leave Washington, you learn how to play football for some reason. You can't do it in Washington. It's just not physically and mentally (laughs) capable, impossible. They are winning the close games that they couldn't win last year. They're figuring out how to close out football games, and they beat Washington this past weekend. So right on cue in the revenge game. Honestly, no. no offense to Kurt. Don't ever do this ever again. Like, uh, like that it. was, oh no. You like that? Gave me something to like that. <laughs> um, but uh, what Minnesota's doing, and they you they can go pound for pound uh, and toe-to-toe against every team on the offensive side of the ball with the weapons that they've got in Thielen, Irv Smith, Dalvin Cook, Madison, Justin Jefferson, and you just keep Kirk Cousins at a, at a, at a place where you can be successful. Your, their only loss is against Philly. So you got to start raising eyebrows and how bad the NFC North is. It's pretty much become a runaway for the Minnesota Vikings. They've been a true surprise and very successful. I thought they'd be a, a fringe playoff team. I didn't think they were going to be this good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was a little bit higher on them. I really like the coach O'Connell coming over from the Rams. I think he's put in a winning system for Kirk. I think he's looking better, like you said, than ever before. Um, I definitely think their defense has improved too. I was looking at some statistics for them where over the last couple of games, they've improved in all areas. I do think that their schedule has been a little bit lighter. Like you said, the Eagles played, they haven't, they didn't look good that Monday night game. That was a game that I watched in full that I thought 
would be really close, but obviously the Eagles blew them out that game, I believe. It was like 26-7. Yep. But they definitely have been one of the better surprises. And if they keep improving with Hawkinson there now, that offense is going to be even more dangerous. Maybe they could be a Super Bowl contender. Maybe they could be that second team in the NFC to potentially make some noise. Absolutely. All right, Pat, let's do our biggest disappointments. Let's do two disappointments. So for me, it has to be a team that you touched on earlier that has a little bit of injury difficulties, Las Vegas Raiders. They trade for the Devontae Adams. They bring in my guy, McDaniels. It's looking all good. This is a team that I actually had going to the AFC divisional round. I thought that they could be a juggernaut offense. It hasn't looked good. It hasn't looked good at all. Uh, not last week, but the week before, I know they got blew out by the Saints. They're two and six. The offense really hasn't clicked well. Devontae Adams, he kind of has a, a big game. Then he's not even in the picture. I don't know what they're doing to try to incorporate them. The defense has looked okay at times, but not enough to overcome some of the offensive woes. And listen, Raiders, if you want to fire McDaniels, please do so. I'd welcome him back with open arms at New England. He's a great offensive coordinator, but he's a shitty coach. <laughs> All right. My first one is kind of a tandem, and that's going to be the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. They absolutely suck. And if you thought they were hitting rock bottom after losing to my Washington Commanders, what do you do? You go up and put six, nine points on Detroit, and you lose that one against the Detroit Lions, who have figured out every possible way to lose football games this year. And Aaron Rodgers, like you're playing down to the competition of the players that you have around you. That's usually not your style. I know Devontae's not there. That's probably has a little bit to do with it, but you're supposed to be a force multiplier. And now you're actually being a huge deficiency on your squad. Mm-hmm. Um, the Green Bay Packers, it's a wrap. That's going to, they're not even going to be a playoff team this year because the season only as you'll, you have to play the top teams in both conferences. So mm-hmm. it's only going to get harder for them. The Dallas Cowboys are licking their chops. They're getting Green Bay at the right time. They're another team that's injured all over the field, especially in the offensive line and Mm -hmm. on the outside at receiver with Dobbs out. Christian Watson hasn't even been able to stay healthy, I think, for a full game yet. But um, And you can't get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon going whatsoever. And so it's Aaron Rodgers has been a travesty. Then you have the injury now to their defensive star and Rashawn Gary. He's out for the year. It can't get much worse, but my God, how bad can the Green Bay Packers go from arguably being a top three team in football these last three to four years and now be a bottom tier squad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, while yes, Rodgers doesn't really have the weapons, he's been making some bonehead plays. I mean, we watched that Lions game, those two interceptions at the goal line could have been avoided. I think the team is just falling apart. I think, again, the Adams trade had a bigger impact than they think was going to happen. And I do think that this team is obviously not now talking about it, but not going to make the playoffs. I don't think there's any way they can rebound from this. Oh, no, they have no shot. They're done. 
There's mm-hmm. just even even though that you think they can maybe get on a little bit of a run with how bad their division is around them, but now you've lost to one of those teams you should be on automatically beating every time in Detroit. Like mm-hmm. it's only going to get worse for the Packers and better. Like you honestly now have to think about: Are you going to play Jordan Love and see what you got? Like give him the reps and playing time. But you pay Aaron all that money not to ride the bench. So mm-hmm. that's a tough decision because again, they invested in Rodgers. He's their future. But eventually, something has to give with love. I think either this year or next year is in his contract ending. So mm-hmm. if you don't play him. What are you going to do? You you're not going to sign him. Obviously, do you try to trade him? Do you let him go? I don't know what what they're going to do with love. Oh, I agree. All right, Pat, give me your final disappointment. So I'm going to focus on the team, but also a a specific position that really has been disappointing. That's the L.A. Rams, not only as a team, because they have looked really bad on offense. But I don't know what's going on with their running back group. I mean, sure, the offensive line has had their problems, but Cam Akers was supposed to be traded. Maybe he doesn't like the organization. I don't know. Obviously, he was coming back from the Achilles injury. But he didn't look good. I know they were having a little internal struggles, those personal matters, as they called them. Henderson hasn't looked good. He hasn't been able to find much running room. He's looked a a little bit better than Akers at times, but he certainly hasn't been flashing. Kyron Williams, the rookie, obviously got hurt. Maybe he comes back. They had to bring in Malcolm Brown. And I just think this run game as a whole – compared to last year and the year before where they were able to get a little bit going, especially for the playoff time, has been abysmal. Now, quarterback, obviously, Stafford hasn't looked great. I think he's close to leading the league in turnovers again, especially with interceptions. Robinson, uh, a guy that I drafted a lot, was nowhere to be found the first couple weeks. So I think the Rams, their backfield, their offense has just been terrible this year. Major disappointment. Oh, I completely agree with that one. Stafford hasn't looked good. Now he's in the concussion protocol. He's probably had a concussion probably for the last two weeks, the way he's been playing, but they're only now allowing that to be shown. Um, My final disappointment has to be, I know you went with the Raiders, so I'm actually going to take the other team in the AFC West, and that's got to be the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Like everyone thought that this was going to work, myself included, and they are in absolute shambles. And it's not just Russell Wilson, like Nathaniel Hackett, my guy. Like you're from Green Bay, and now we see Green Bay struggling. No wonder you're struggling because you don't have a freaking clue on earth what you're doing as a head football coach. Mm-hmm. Like none whatsoever, counter contradicting yourself during the game and then post game and then midweek, you're making a different statement like get on the same page dude Mm -hmm. and then you have so many players all over and then you have to trade away bradley chubb because your season's over you have all the pieces around you on that squad and wilson has been able to unable to figure it out whatsoever Mm -hmm. like then you have melvin gordon i mean javante williams gets hurt like then you have jerry judy kj hamler Cortland sutton it's not like you have bums you have weapons galore all over that team. And then you have Sertan on the back's end. You had Bradley Chubb. You just trade away. Like, the Denver Broncos have been an absolute 
dumpster fire to say the least and how this is all looked when everyone was writing them on to be a huge success. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can argue, make the argument the AFC West has been a, the entire division's been a, a, a shell of itself. The Chargers, you don't know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. Other than the Chiefs, they're the only true consistent team there. No, of course. And I think the big thing that surprised me, because the Broncos and the Raiders were two that I was going back and forth for my disappointment. But looking at the Broncos and Russell Wilson, the Broncos are actually third in protection rate based on player profile. So the offensive line is holding up. He's just literally shitting the bed out there. And I do think, like you said, they have the weapons. I mean, Sutton, Judy are two quality receivers. They have a rookie tight end in Dolchick who's coming on strong. The running backs on and off. Obviously, William sadly got hurt. He's one of my guys. Hate to see it. But this team had a lot of talent on paper. They just couldn't put it together. No, and they are the definition of, like, what that literal F are you guys doing on the football field? Like, you're all pouting out there. You're all pointing fingers. Jalen Ramsey, who also was doing that for the Rams. Like, Mm -hmm. these teams that were supposed to be perennial contenders, like the Arizona Cardinals, you don't know what you're going to get. The Colts have been in shambles. Then everything everything else in the NFC West with how that's been. Carolina's been awful. Like, there's been a – You've either seen really good or you've seen really bad. There's no in-between this year, which has been really fascinating to me and how the NFL season's played out. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's tough when you got the AFC beast out there putting up juggernauts and the Patriots, obviously, the Jets now, the Dolphins, and the Bills. So, Oh, here we go. I knew you were going to slide something in about your bloody Patriots in there. Yeah, we haven't talked about them, so this was the perfect time. As we're oh my up. gosh, they're not gonna, um, and we're not gonna. So we're gonna end that right there. Who's your quarterback, by the way? Is it gonna be Zappy or Mac Jones? I think Mac Jones. I think to some extent that Chicago Bear game was a BS performance. I think they rushed. Zappy him back runs the offense two. better, bro. Yeah, Mac Jones looked decent against the Jets when we beat him. I think the Colts came. Zach Wilson gave you about six turnovers. Yeah. I was actually at that game. It was wild because that first half, the crowd was so loud. The first drive of the second half, crowd was dead, and we just drove right down the field. Music to your ears when you're an opposing team's fan. It's just dead quiet. Yeah. One last thing. I wanted to put this in. All right. On draft day, 2022. I put a bet on Jalen Hurts to win MVP. Hopefully we keep seeing him do well, plus 4,000 odds. Wow, he's a front runner right there. He's in the conversation. Yeah, to all your listeners. He's probably, he's probably, I'd probably have him fourth in my MVP right now. I'd have Mahomes ahead of him. I'd have Josh Allen. Then I would probably have either him and Lamar go, or probably neck and neck, and then. Who, uh, and then I have Tyreek is probably my round out five. Listen, let me ask you this. And, and I was reading a tweet. The Eagles, they don't have a terrible schedule. They're going to be the favored way. every game the rest of the way. Yeah. If they go undefeated and he has a quality year, how do you not give him MVP? They're not going to go undefeated, though, so it doesn't matter. 
Well, you, you never know. But I think they're on upset yeah. alert this week. Oh, yeah, this week. Washington Commanders. Yeah, no, we're going to get our asses kicked this on Monday night. Get embarrassed on national television. It's why they try to avoid us altogether. And now we're getting sued, so it can't get much better, right? <laughs> yeah, you guys are going downhill fast. Oh, absolutely. But, Pat, thank you so much for joining the show. Let my people know where to catch your content. Yeah, guys, if you go on Instagram, at the football therapist, give us a follow. We do daily updates every day. Um, trying to potentially get back in the YouTube game. We'll see how it looks. But just want to say thank you again for having me on. Every time I come on, it's a lot of fun, Blaine. Give this guy a follow, subscribe, whatever you have to do to get this guy going. Absolutely, my man. It's always a pleasure. You know where to catch my content, the Final Whistle Sports Pod, Final Dot Whistle on Instagram, TikTok, Final Whistle Sports Pod on Facebook. We're on YouTube, Insta- Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. And as always, it's been a pleasure giving you the sports talk that you crave. And that is done by the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. From Patrick Sweeney, the football therapist, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. We're signing off. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your evening and the rest of football this week.